We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence. I am your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. I'm a psychiatrist in private practice and faculty member at the University of Virginia. Each week, my guests and I talk about meaningful coincidences, synchronicity, and serendipity. We discuss synchronicity from its many, many perspectives, including spiritually, practically, and statistically. Why? To increase your connection to coincidences so that you can benefit from coincidence awareness in your daily life. I've written a book also called Connecting with Coincidence. Put that phrase, Connecting with Coincidence, in your web browser to find my book, my Psychology Today blog, my website, and social media sites. And if you want to know how sensitive you are to coincidences, go to my website to take the Weird Coincidence Survey, and you'll get some idea about your sensitivity to coincidences. That is, Connecting with Coincidence. Our guest today is Neil Killian. He comes to us from Sydney, Australia, uh, where he's staying up kind of early in the morning to join us in this program, and I appreciate your having done that, Neil. He is is a former psychologist, management consultant who for around 20 years founded and ran his own outplacement company in Sydney. His clients included many blue-chip companies and large government authorities. His discovery of life cycles theory happened by accident, one of those happy accidents that we love to call serendipity, when he was doing an ad hoc validation study of Daniel Levinson's mid-career identity. Since 2005, he has devoted himself to the research and development of this theory of 12-year symbolic cycles in life based on biographical analysis. Please describe uh, Daniel Levinson's work as it applies to what you're doing. Okay. Well, Daniel Levinson was one of the two instruments that I used in outplacement counseling when I take people who were, uh, their job had been made redundant uh, and our company's role was to provide career counseling and, and job search support. Now, when I discussed the stages of the career that people were in, I used Levinson's theory. He had terms such as the first adult uh, career stage, the uh, transition stage, the mid-career stage, and the late career stage, things like that. Uh-huh. Uh, I used to uh, gather some of that data on an ad hoc basis, and I then decided to crunch some of the numbers and see how my sample, which is taken from Sydney, Australia, used to line up with what he talked about his age range, and that was sometime in the mid to late 30s. Uh, and that mid to late 30s um, is what you're saying most of your clients were in when you saw them? 
Uh, not, not necessarily it was a spread of ages, but uh, I, I should have said that the mid-career identity is, is that stage in, in the mid to late 30s. Ah. And I simply wanted to see whether this was as important a phase in people's career lives as uh, the Levinson theory would hold up. Uh, I wanted to see whether that was a stage in which people moved out from under mentors, they achieved um, something in their own right uh, that would usher in what he called the mid-career identity. Uh, and I would ask you to elaborate more on that because for our listeners, because you just started to describe it, um, that that these people are maybe mentoring and then move out from underneath the mentor. And that is uh, a significant change in their lives. Could you describe anything else that characterized this mid-career identity shift? Uh, yes. Um, what it is is the um, some sort of achievement by which the person will ultimately become known in their careers. Now, it doesn't happen always uh, this way because for some people they achieve earlier, but for a lot of cases, uh, their career is marked by um, <clears throat> what the primary reputation might be. So. I, I was looking for things that you could consider um, high points and achievements and reputation, whole of career reputation-making events. And you say it doesn't happen with everybody, so it's a probabilistic thing that you're talking about, uh, that, that where there's a likelihood of people emerging somehow with their own uh, identity uh, as a, their own professional career identity. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. When I say not everyone, I mean, I've got to look at exception cases or things where people may have hit a high point of achievement early on. Um, but essentially, the theory that I developed from all this is meant to cover all lives. So uh, yeah. my journey, which has been a long one, has been taking a very small sample of people who were going through uh, usually as executives or professionals and seeing whether it applied to a, a wider range of people. And for that, I was using usually publicly available uh, data. Uh, so these are people with a profile sufficient for me to, to study and see whether the result that I was picking up on one particular year out of this area um, was being picked up with other people that uh, is something that could readily be validated. Yeah, and that's and the number twelve is is key to what you're talking about. The ages twelve, twenty four, thirty six, and so on. Yes, correct. Uh, what I started with is this central age of thirty six. That's where I had the unusual finding, if you like. That yeah. was the coincidence that started it all for me. I thought. You know, why am I picking up one year? I could be picking up anything from, you know, 34, 5, 37, 8, 9, but I was just picking up this one 12-month period when all these key events tended to be happening. <laughs> uh, I, I just wanted to think about my own career and age 36 um, and what I did at age 36 was get married and I was still working on a psychotherapy book um, it wasn't it was a it, it was 
something that I got some um, notoriety about uh, years later, um, but it was still something in progress that I'd started before I was 36 and continued after 36. So I, I'm trying to see how, in my life, was there a peak of something at age 36? And I can't think of that. It was part of a sequence of that mid-career of trying to establish myself. Yeah, sure. I mean, I can't readily uh, put all profiles uh, against this. Sometimes I've got to examine uh, negative evidence or I've got to examine a lack of evidence. Um, the only thing I would like to do with cases such as yours is look at uh, some objective biodata to see what I could pick up once I started to examine it. But uh, I'd like to take a, a little time to explain the, the main features of the theory to people, if that's okay with yourself. Oh, that's where, we're, that's where we are. Go ahead. Okay. So um, what life cycles theory is, in three words for people, it's 12-year cycles. It's that simple. The uh, sentence that would define that is that it's um, life or lives studied that are lived in symbolically repeating 12-year cycles using detailed biographical analysis and no use of the occult. So that's no astrology or numerology. Um, the theory itself, uh, which I've developed over uh, the last 10 plus years, has uh, over 50 terms and icons in it, but I really want to just introduce three concepts to people. And they're the key concepts. Uh, the first is the this year, this central first year of a 12-year cycle. So that's looking at adult ages of 24, 36, and 48. I call it the year of revolution because that's literally what it seems to be in people's lives. It means that um, we are starting something. Uh, usually events are happening almost outside of our control. Uh, during this period, and that the events that get ushered in can affect us for the remaining 12 years. And as I just mentioned, uh, the theory originally started because I found so many matches uh, with the key year of, of 36. Uh, the second concept is seven years after this key year, I noticed another interesting coincidence. It's a year in which we get change happening again, a change of direction. Um, this one I call the year of broken pathways because once again, the term means exactly what it says. So I look for some form of change and, and uphill challenge that the person's handed uh, that won't be resolved in a hurry. So they're the adult ages of 19 and 31, etc. So we've got year of revolution, we've got a seven-year period of what I call unbroken forward momentum. And we're going to and we're going to have an uh, we're going to have an unbroken forward momentum right now as we come to the end of this segment. And we'll continue with part three of what you're describing. Uh, you are listening to Connecting with Coincidence with your host, uh, Bernie Beitman, MD, on the X-Zone Broadcast Network with our guest, Neil Killian.
Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Gwilda Wiak's latest book, The Science of Magic, Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is the first book in a series based on her writings that open every episode of the Science of Magic radio show. Drawing on the subject matter of each guest and armed with over 40 years experience in shamanism, 35 years in alternative health, and degrees in psychology and religious studies, Wilda introduces relevant and leading-edge information that supports spiritual evolution and personal empowerment. Rich with wisdom and inspirational quotes packaged in digestible segments, this is a book that will pull you from cover to cover. It will also serve as a daily inspirational reading for years to come. The Science of Magic Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is available at our website, tsompublications.com, amazon.com, and wherever fine books are sold. Back in Victorian England, a famous theologian posed a perplexing riddle. Why are the two top personalities in the Bible tagged with the numbers 7 and 11? Academics agree the answer is found in the stunning discovery of a hitherto secret Bible structure explained in a new book called The Genesis Grid. The discovery is so simple that preschool children could illustrate it. Certain claims are hugely controversial and may offend some, but at the X-Zone, we've studied this awesome new book and agree with one expert, and I quote, These discoveries appear to be beyond coincidence. So who or what hid this wonderful pattern in the Bible, and what might they do next? Find out more, X-Zone Nation, and read reviews on www.genesisgrid.co.uk. That's www.genesisgrid.co.uk. Welcome back to CC with BB, Connecting with Coincidence with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, and our guest, Neil Killian. And we're talking about life cycles. We're talking about coincidences between numbers and people's behavior. And Neil wanted to talk with me about this, uh, and I'd hear a little bit more from Neil about it, because this is a kind of coincidence in his mind that is not involving uh, the usually emotional responses and personal reactions of people with general synchronicity kind of coincidence but it's something objective and describable and we're going to go and other people can see it and we'll come back to that idea uh, but neil you were telling us about part three the 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 broken you, you just described the seven-year broken path and now what's the third one okay so the the third concept is that um when you put those uh, two together uh, the years of revolution and the years of broken pathway, which are the only years I study, that small number of years in a life. So that 
would equate in the adult sense to the ages of 19, 24, 31, 36, 43, etc. It's what I call the significant years. Now, what I'd like to do for people is to illustrate, because it sounds a bit dry when I'm putting the theory out there, and I just want to take one really well-known example. This is a person that, that everyone's heard of, as Napoleon Bonaparte. Uh, if we take his life, we see the absolute centrality of this age 36 year. Uh, this was a year in which he fought two major battles. Uh, the first one, unsuccessful, quite unsuccessful, and that was the Battle of Trafalgar, where he managed to lose two-thirds of the uh, combined French-Spanish fleet to Nelson. Uh, and so that was a setback. Now, these setbacks I call moments of uh, frustration uh, that can affect a person at the beginning um, of the period. Now, it's almost, to me, it's something I equate to like the death of the old cycle. Because not seven weeks later, Napoleon had his greatest ever victory. That was the victory at the Battle of Austerlitz, where he defeated the combined armies of Russia and the Austro-Hungarian Empire in one day. It's noted to be that way by historians. They say that um, this is Napoleon's uh, greatest achievement. It's something that he himself says he's pr most proud of. So we have both that objective description and subjective de description. Uh, also, I look, believe it or not, for not only one day to alter a whole person's life, but sometimes one spellbinding moment in that one day. And such a moment happened to Napoleon. He was um, ordering his troops to advance up a hill at the beginning of a day uh, in conditions of a heavy fog. Now, the men decided to follow Napoleon because they believed in whatever he said. And he said, one sharp strike and, and the war will be over. However, marching up in a fog, you really can't see what's going on. But just when they reached the top of the Prats and Heights, the sun almost magically broke through. Uh, this is a phenomenon that historians talk about, the sun of Austerlitz. I mean, there's even been a book written about it. Uh, and it was at that precise moment that the fog lifted, they found themselves right on top of the enemy and it proved a decisive moment in that battle. Uh, now that's, that's, a, that, that's a very interesting story from uh, my coincidence ways of thinking. Um, I've heard a story of uh, a guy when he was a teenager uh, in a plane um, in thick fog um, and the, the instruments couldn't find the, uh, the landing field. But he had a sense for where to go. And he directed the pilot uh, through the fog to the landing field without having any visual, but a sense, an intuitive sense for how to get there. And, and so that's one part of it. Napoleon may have been able to see through the fog to know where the people were. And then to have the sun come out uh, right at the right time uh, reminds me of, uh, of, of, of this Einstein's, uh, people trying to prove Einstein's theory of relativity or that, the, that, the, that light bent around the sun. And they needed to have the right time for that, 
for the sun to be able to be available for the people to take the picture. And it was not available in Africa until one, until when they needed to be able to see it, the fog cleared and there was the sun and they could take the picture. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Um, so, so there's something parapsychological in the, what I'd say in what Napoleon could do. The fact that his, his, followers believed in him suggested that they saw in him a capacity that they didn't have that he could know things in ways that they could not know yes we'll never know for sure whether no. he was just bluffing at that moment and and really wanted the attack to proceed or whether he had a particular insight you know he yes. would have had left a yeah. quote uh, for that but but yes. sure why why not oh, so um, go ahead that, please that effectively gave Napoleon control of Europe in, in one day. And that period of control lasted for, uh, in an unbroken sense, for seven years. Uh, so we're looking at that exact model, because if those key battles took place in 1805 and you add seven, you end up with 1812. And we all know what happened then. This was Napoleon's ill-fated invasion of Russia. So his own personal broken pathway was his decision with winter coming on to march his army uh, into Russia deeper and deeper. Uh, eventually things turned against him and he lost over 90% of his army through one way or another. And from that moment on, he had the uphill challenge of defending what was left of the empire. And we know that after a couple of years in the Battle of Waterloo, it all came to a conclusion. So that is a, a really good personal illustration. Now, the second illustration of why I have this notion of cycles repeating is it sets up an exact hypothesis for me to test at his first adult year of 24. Now, when I was writing the book, The Life Cycles Revolution, I decided to do that test as I was writing the book. So it was pretty blind at the time. When I went to the exact same period as Trafalgar, and um, Austerlitz, I discovered at age 24, there was this thing called the Battle of uh, Siege of Toulon, rather. Now, the Siege of Toulon happened at um, a young age. Napoleon was then just uh, a young um, artillery major, and the French Republic was only a couple of years old, and he was attempting to end uh, a blockade by the British and Spanish Navy on uh, the city of Toulon and to attack a fort that they had. Now, a first attempt at such an attack <clears throat> was unsuccessful and um, it wasn't executed correctly as a result of which the British redoubled their efforts and built an even stronger fort that they called Little Gibraltar. Now, Napoleon uh, was unsatisfied. He rode off to Paris. Uh, he wanted more military support for his plan. Uh, and when a, a senior officer arrived, he executed it straight away. And at almost the same time, and this is the fascinating thing about the theory, at almost the same time as the Battle of Austerlitz took place, the successful destruction of the, uh, of the fort at Toulon happened. Uh, that resulted in an immediate a promotion from uh, a mere artillery major to become a brigadier general and he came to the attention of the elite in Paris. So we're looking at this sense of it being the same military victory, the same moment of setback and frustration first, the same 
uh, outcome of, in a positive nature and the same type of process that he went through. Uh, so I'm trying to get across the notion that uh, this would be quite interesting, but you might say, well, that's a one-off case. But my whole um, career these days is looking at these amazing sequence of cases. I have literally hundreds of cases to support this seemingly improbable model. Um, I've studied uh, lists such as the uh, top 10 people of the 20th century. I've, I've studied uh, uh, things like um, the uh, recent celebrity deaths over the two-year period from 2014 to 2016. And I keep coming up with correlations that are in the order of 100% of the people that I study to have um, largely uh, some type of a, a correlation with one of the significant years and often with the age of 36, just to give people a feeling for that. Um, uh, as, as I listen to this, Neil, uh, you're talking about people who have made uh, major impacts in in certain aspects of their lives, because that that's who you're that, that's who you can get access to from the description you just had. That some people have like more ordinary lives um, and don't necessarily get out into publicity or are written down uh, their experiences the way Napoleon and many of the others that you've studied uh, do. So how much this how much does this apply to ordinary lives? It becomes part of the question I think uh, our listeners will want to know. Yeah, sure. I would say it would apply exactly the same to ordinary lives as a principle. Of course, the way in which the lives play out is is quite different uh, in <laughs> I, in my life, I often enter into conversations with people and tell them a little bit about the theory and some people answer me and say, yes, look, 36 in my case was quite a big year. You know, the, the following events happened. I got a promotion to a new job. We, we moved uh, locations. Uh, uh, got know, it. Now, we're, we're coming to the end of, of this segment, Neil, and I want to be able to continue this comparison. Uh, you're listening to Connecting with Coincidence with your host, Bernie Beitman, MD, on the X-Zone Broadcast Network with our guest, Neil Killian. Broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. The scientist and the mystic have been on an age-old, relentless search with one thing in common. They seek truth. Their paths converge in the 40,000-year-old practice of shamanism, an ancient science delving to the quantum level of life, facilitating healing, manifestation, and evolution. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, the founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Arts School, a unique Colorado State-certified occupational school, training shamanic practitioners and teachers. We also provide classes for empowering personal lives through shamanism. 
Our certification classes are in week-long segments, enabling international participation, and online classes and long-distance shamanic healing sessions are available. Come discover the science of magic in the limitless world of shamanism. www.findyourpathhome.com Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God, and finally, After the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Welcome back to Connecting with Coincidence with your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, and our guest from Australia, Neil Killian, talking about life cycle coincidences. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner. Really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. Coincidences between life cycle events and age. So, Neil, you were telling me about the, the more regular people out there in the world and how they can report parallels to what you're describing. Well, yes. Uh, look, one of the, the things I, I've done is include a, cha- a whole chapter in the Life Cycles Revolution of more ordinary lives. I wanted to keep it largely anonymous for those people because often I knew them as friends, etc. Yeah. Um, but I looked at those two central areas of relationships and, and career. Ah, uh, mostly, you've been you know, talking, mostly you've been talking about career so far. Okay. Yeah, no, no relationships to, uh, you know, that later age of 48 sometimes and divorce was quite a stat that I picked up. 
um, you know, di different ways in which it, which lives can alter. Uh, and after all, sometimes uh, one of my friends was a, an actor who said that um, he'd been doing TV work, but at the age of 36, he got a call from a Hollywood producer to see whether he'd want to come over and uh, star or take a lesser role, I should say, in, a, in one of the movies over there. Uh, but he discussed it on the home front and they decided for the good of the family they wouldn't do that. Uh, now, he got a second call uh, about uh, another opportunity in the same period, but after that, nothing. And his career altered again. So sometimes there's an opportunity there, but it's not always, you know, taken up. Ah. Uh, but uh, I, just to illustrate with my own life, to people. That would be, I think, not a bad way to do it because I've put my own life out uh, in a public sense in, in great detail in both books uh, because I figure if I can't make the theory fit me, then uh, it's not going to prove itself in a sense uh, to me and uh, it won't prove itself to anyone else. So, I think there, I think there, I'm glad you say make the theory fit you because when I listen to you, it's like you, like you have a form now, you've got an idea of the twelves and the sevens and you try and you seem to try to make the life fit in with it. And not that it doesn't, but there's a, there's a problem in like you like the theory and you want to make it work. Uh, yes, initially that would be so, but uh, the sheer amount of correlations, as I say, I was getting in, in publicly yeah. available material yeah. uh, has caused me to say that the odds on this happening randomly would be uh, astronomical. Uh, uh, so, you know, of those 10 um, most famous people of the 20th century, we're looking at things like the first flight by uh, the Wright brothers in 1903, you know, at um, at, at Orville's uh, age 36. We're looking at uh, Gandhi at 36 introducing uh, his method, Satyagraha, of uh, peaceful protest for the first time enshrined as the um, birth of the civil rights movement. We're looking at uh, Einstein, he uh, published the general theory of relativity at 36. And Nelson Mandela gave his famous address at the Cliptown uh, Conference and unveiled the Freedom Charter and won his reputation as a statesman at 36. Uh, if I can produce, uh, let's say, eight or nine out of ten of those cases that fit, uh, I'm looking at something which is um, extremely improbable to have occurred uh, when I look at uh, the recent celebrity deaths over a two-year period, I'm looking at an extraordinary uh, number of cases where things fit in, in the most um, uh, straightforward way. You know, George Martin, for example, uh, died, you know, at the beginning of that period. He was a producer of all the Beatles music. Now, uh, at 36, he discovered the Beatles by accident because he was petitioned by Brian Epstein and he didn't really want to hire them, etc. The period of time he had the Beatles for, 
seven years until they broke up. Um, again, you know, at 24, he started with Parlophone in the classical music division. Seven years later after that, he uh, moved into comedy records and tried to get more into the pop field. You know, it, it's those sort of examples that I can do time and time again. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think of my uh, older son, who at age 36 um, doesn't have a job right now, uh, but he has uh, two kids and they're looking for a third. Um, how, how, does this, how does that fit in with uh, your thinking? Um, well, you never know. If he is 36, there could be some form of breakthrough. Uh, a friend of mine has a 36-year-old son. I think he's just moved through that. Um, and he's, he was interested in, in music, uh, maybe filmmaking, but he didn't have anything definite on the horizon. And then an opportunity to join an established band came up for him uh, uh -huh. during the period. And, and he told me about it. He said, oh, gosh, you know, fancy that. Uh, a, friend of, <laughs> a friend of my son, who I know quite well, um, got a job at 36, I, I told him about the theory, he'd read book one, I mean, he knew all about it. And he said to me, you know, there might be something in that because the job offer actually came from my son. <laughs> <laughs> I was there the moment when, you know, it was it kind of said, well, I might think about hiring this person. Um, so there's all of these <laughs> anecdotal examples uh, that, that I'm surrounded with. Uh, I sit here as a theoretician. Uh, my job is really to produce uh, what I would regard as, as scientifically based evidence as I can. Uh, I take obituary studies where I look at a set number of obituaries that are produced over a, a, a narrow period of time, a couple of weeks. I take just the text of the obituaries to see whether, because they can mention any year at all of significance or none. And uh, I try and see whether I can get matches. Uh, now, some of those matches that I've been able to get in book one, you, I covered uh, 40 obituaries uh, to show the number of matches that I was able to get in each one. Uh, in this coming book on relationships, I've got an even tighter um, analysis of uh, uh, 12 obituaries that were taken with no exceptions um, and people who didn't have necessarily a high profile uh, to, to look for that evidence. So what I'm claiming to do here is to assist the whole uh, community of coincidence study by producing something which is very difficult for people to refute. You know, the mainstream tends to want to refute coincidences. They tend to want to say, look, it's this law of uh, truly large numbers, uh, which says with seven billion odd people on the planet, uh, you know, weird and wonderful things can happen every day. Um, now, I want to produce something which is quantifiable, which is testable, uh, where I set up hypotheses, where I examine for uh, negative evidence, where I look at uh, single or even double-blind uh, methods to obtain my samples. So uh, what I'm really aiming to do, Bernie, is to um, elevate uh, this branch of coincidence studies so that it becomes um, 
uh, very difficult for people to uh, just, you know, dismiss it if for one reason or another. Oh, very good. Very good. Um, the, the, We've talked about and you and you've written to me about the difference between what you're doing and the standard kind of synchronicity where uh, a person has a subjective feeling in response to something that happens in the environment. It's very personal. Yours is descriptive where you where people can look at it without having to tune in to what the person's inner experience is. There's a correlation between age and life events. And that's that's the basics of what you're doing. You, you can see the age, you can see the life events. And there is a form of coincidence that is just like that, and that's seriality or serial coincidences that um, Gary Schwartz has written a book about. He calls it super synchronicity, in which he has the same notion that this is these are observable events like seeing 15 monkeys within a three-day period uh, that, that you see a series that anybody else could validate you can take pictures of them of these monkeys and that's kind of what you're doing so there is a subset of coincidences that is like yours like this seriality one where it's objective where it's not so, there's no having to look at the feeling or the thoughts of the person inside and that's uh, that's an important uh, addition to the way we're thinking about things. Now we have a, we have a, a, about a minute left in this, and I just want to be able to get us started thinking about the how this works, because one of the questions that uh, I am trying to answer about coincidences is: do various explanations for them? How do we explain them? And unfortunately, um, some people just want one explanation for all coincidences, and that's not right. We've got different ways of explaining different kinds of coincidences. So I'm hoping that we will get into, uh, on our next segment, just how the, you explain them and then how this, your ideas about life cycles can get expanded into future orientation so we can think about how these th ideas of yours may be helping people as you did with career planning. Uh, and we will, we will do this in the next segment and we are listening to Connecting with Coincidence with your host, Bernie Beitman, MD, on the X-Zone Broadcast Network with our guest, Neil Killian. Named one of the world's greatest psychics, Elizabeth Joyce is now giving readings worldwide via Skype. Elizabeth Joyce is recognized for her clairvoyant ability to help find missing persons, her analysis of dreams, past life regression work, mediumship, and her accurate predictions. Elizabeth has been a frequent guest on the X-Zone radio show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, now for several years. For an appointment with Elizabeth Joyce, call 201-934-8986 or Skype at elizabeth.joyce. And for more information, you can always visit Elizabeth Joyce online at www.new-visions.com.
The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Exposé Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades, there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings. Slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From Out of the Woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www.williamspeckham.com. Welcome back to Connecting with Coincidence with your host, Bernie Beitman, MD, and our guest, Neil Killian. And Neil has advanced, is advancing a theory, and my questions for him in this last segment are what are the practical applications of his theory, and just how does he explain these coincidental correlations between age and uh, biographical activity? Okay. Um... Well, what I would like to do here is um, say that the, the self-development aspect of this is to be aware of the cycle and its presence in your life. Uh, this is one way in which we can really um, use the cycle to our advantage. Now, what I'd like to do is, is describe to people my own um, situation right now, because I'm in um, what I would call one of my significant years. It's a year of broken pathways. Uh, what has happened is that um, I've been in this same position before. Uh, I'm 67 now. I've been in this position before when I was 55. I've been in this position when I was 43 and 31. As heretical as this sounds, I want people to think of their lives as uh, the one cycle that keeps repeating. So I'm, in fact, living through the same events uh, that I lived through previously. Now, let me illustrate. When I was 55, at around about this exact time of year, I uh, came to be doing a writing course at my university because 
uh, I had resisted the notion that I could actually write about this in a whole book. I thought, well, I can just explain it to people uh, or perhaps do a quick magazine article. Uh, I didn't realise that uh, I, I really had to set my ideas down in detail. Um, at 43, uh, I went through a change in uh, my company structure uh, where um, a new group bought out my parent company and uh, I had to deal with um, a different CEO uh, that uh, he was based in London at the time and uh, I, uh, I had to work out some way of achieving independence from this new group. Uh, now, all of these things represent the uphill challenge for me each time. And when I, for instance, heard about the opportunity to do this interview, I thought to myself, you know, this is right at that exact same time. I, I'm, I'm aware of what might happen, what my uphill challenge is. And it's to become literally better known to a wider audience. And this is the sort of vehicle that's happening for seven years. I've been publishing a lot. I've been doing several hundred uh, shorter articles and case studies, three books. Uh, I've got a community of people who know me and, and my work, but I really want to reach a wider audience. And this opportunity, interestingly, came about right now. So if you've got this model in mind, you can say to yourself, Oh, right. So here I am at that year of revolution. I'm at, at that key age of 36. What was I doing at 24? You know, um, what was the process like for me then? Uh, and as I've done in both books, I've analysed all my years of re revolution, which are rather ordinary. I mean, there's, they're not world-breaking events, but I was able to use them each time as a guideline. It's something I refer to as living in super consciousness. Now, living in what? Living in what consciousness? Super consciousness. Super consciousness. Super what, what, consciousness. Do you, what do you mean because by that? Well, I'm aware that my life also has a structure. Yeah. And that structure is uh, rather objective. Uh, it just it sits there, and events tend to happen more or less on time. It's crazy, I know, but being aware as I am of what to expect, I've been just stunned by how how much events happen at the time they're meant to happen. I think that's, uh, I don't know if I'd use the word super consciousness. I, I go to uh, a meta, or, but it's the same idea that w w it's a meta perspective. It's, a, it's above one's life rather than just living it. You have a kind of a roadmap that you're defining about what you might expect at certain at certain ages and that can be very that can be very helpful because it's what levinson was trying to do with his book to give some idea of what to expect in different parts of your life and you're sharpening that kind of thinking well exactly and i'm the first one to put forward a true cycle theory if you look at all the other theorists like um erickson and uh, and levinson and gould uh, they all had stage theories of life with uh, a block of years which people are meant to transition into and out of. Right. What I'm talking is an exact cycle pattern. That within, happens yeah, within, within. It's the same cycle being repeated each time, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And within a much uh, narrower bandwidth of time. 
uh, and, and that phenomenon of your whole life can alter literally in one day. Now, now look, if I've got a moment uh, here, Bernie, you, uh, I think I put forward to you that I could analyse Carl Jung's life by life cycles. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that would be of any general interest to people. Right now, uh, I think, right now, we only have about five minutes left. And uh, I think one thing you answered is the practicality of it. You can anticipate your own life more precisely, more carefully, um, more clearly uh, in the super consciousness or meta perspective that you're offering. Um, but how, how come this happens? Why are, why are these cycles existing in our lives? Okay, this is the question I can't answer. And to some extent, I'm not really interested in answering. I simply want to establish the correlation. I don't want the criticism to come back that uh, correlation does not prove cause. So I don't have a cause. I literally have not come up with anything. People could postulate it's due to the presence of... of uh, a religious uh, theme, it's, it's a god or an entity that controls somehow. Uh, but I don't want to put anything in the middle, you know. I want to be like Occam's razor and produce the simplest, most straightforward answer is that the correlation exists. Yes. And now, what, what about the idea of thinking of these repeat, repeated cycles as a spiral rather than uh, just a circle that you're running through again? Uh, well... I know uh, your life changes. I know, uh, you know, we don't live out the same thing. It's, it's not a literally Groundhog Day for us, you know. But what I'm saying is there's a different cast of characters and, and different uh, events, but the, the themes remain constant. Yeah. And I think of that as a spiral. In, in astrology, uh, I think it's Saturn has seven or eight year cycles. Uh, the same idea that you're talking about. I forget if it's how, what the numbers were, seven or eight. But I would envision uh, these experiences as coming back to the same place as you are, but in an advanced state. You're older. Uh, but there's a connection. You almost can draw a line as you're doing between age 36, 24, and 12, and 48 and 60. There's something similar at each point in those 12-year periods. And, and, this, and you can look back and then look forward to see what that similarity is and maybe get you some guideline. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, because I'm looking at actual events in your life rather than saying it's caused by some other outside force like yes, it's, it's, uh, it's, from it's, the it's, universe. It's, it's just inherent it's, in your life. It, it's uh, it's it's part of life, as you're saying. <laughs> it's part. You don't have to talk about a cause. It's just what is. That's right. Um, that's uh, that's that. What I get from this is that each of us, like my son, who's age 36 and is getting another, uh, has a, a possible better job for him that he's interviewed for, that we can anticipate blips uh, or bigger things at certain ages and expect them to happen. So if we expect something to happen at age 36, some kind of life-changing thing, how, do, how, how are we supposed to process that? How do, we, how do we think about that anticipation in more detail? The key is we can't make it happen. Yeah. Okay? There's an element of uh, it being a little bit outside of our control. That Good. is the that yeah. is open to interpretation. Yeah. Why did it 
sun come through at Austerlitz, you know? Yes, yes. Did somebody decide to take an action at that very same moment? Uh, I mean, uh, you know, these things are uh, elements that we can be aware of as they're happening. That's why, you know, I refer to it in my terms as super consciousness. We can be aware of it as it's happening, but we can't make it happen. And we can, and we can have a choice about what to do with what we've got. Yes, it 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 happens, and just like other coincidences happen, um, we can see them. We can in your in this case anticipate them, but then we have some choice, just like your actor friend did, about whether or not to take the opportunity that age thirty six is likely and actually did give him. Correct. Well, that's uh, it's very interesting. I, I'm, I needed to be able to find a way to put what you're is talking about together with coincidence studies and in this last part I think I got closer as I uh, as we discussed this so I appreciate very much the opportunity to hear how you think about this and uh, and how it might be useful and where it might fit in as you suggested as a, another category uh, of coincidences so keep up you please keep up the good work Neil uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you and uh, thank you very much for being on the show thanks very much buddy Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Are you or is someone you know struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, success, and prosperity? Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? We can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. 
Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464.